All right, so let's get into some practical things, increasing your effectiveness to lead your teams practically and spiritually. You know, obviously, we're just, again, we're just scratching the surface on some of this stuff. Um, so much that we could cover. But uh, I started each chapter with uh, a lie. I, in my other book, I started with a quote. So in this book, I was like, man, I want to I I debunk some lies out there. You know, I want to say there's some lies that we've bought into. Hook, line, and sinker. We have bought into some things that we need to unlearn, we need to get rid of, you know. So this lie here, I think, as creatives, will never flourish in the areas of organization that can keep our worship teams healthy and stress-free. That's a lie. That's the enemy. Now, can you do it in your own power? Just asking. Can you do it in your own power? Okay, for a day or two, right, right? And then it's all going to fall flat on its face, right? Like, I would say this to you, anytime any pastor, this is a side, side note for you, anytime any pastor, any leader ever tells you to do something, you need to say these three words in response to that, by the Spirit. Right? Because I, I feel like we need to tell this to every pastor and every leader and then every congregation member as well. If someone's ever preaching to you or you're ever preaching to someone else, telling them you need to be holy, you need to stop sinning, you need to, well... How do we do that? In our own power, grit our teeth, and we'll try harder next time? No, we do it by the Spirit. And that's how we're going to become better leaders. That's how we're going to become more organized, even though we're not that number on the Enneagram. Okay, anyways, (laughs) stop putting yourself in that little little bubble and defining yourself. Okay, all right, I'm sorry. (laughs) You too can be set free to do more than just your number. Okay, sorry. Got excited there. Sorry. It's good, it's good, it's good. All right, so number one here today, uh, I started the, the chapter off in, in the book, uh, Together or Not at All. It's got to be our mentality, right? We get all this. I think we have a shirt at North Central. We're better together, you know. Um, it's so cliche, but it's so, so true. I don't know if you're like me, but I've had to kind of learn the hard way in leadership. And I'm, I'm, I'm kind of embarrassed to say this, but it's just real. And I, I feel like the Lord has healed me and has been healing me. But I honestly was a horrible leader 15 years ago. Uh, just running over people like... Like, I just saw people as cogs in a machine to do the work of the ministry. And I wasn't running together. I was just like, let's go. Come on, people. Why don't you, you know, like just upset, frustrated, all that stuff. You know, I, I truly believe, you know, my, I, I wanted to do what God wanted me to do. But he's like, Jeff, you're just, you're just running over people. You're hurting people. Like, I had this mentality. I was known years ago by my old band members, you know, if I was leading worship and I'm facing the congregation and somebody made a mistake. Now, these are, you know, this is me traveling full time. This is, these are paid professional band members, right? So I had, we had pretty high standards when it comes to this. this is maybe a little different situation with, than volunteers. But the way when someone in your band makes a mistake, don't do what I did. <laughs> I would be up here just praising the Lord and somebody would get a mistake and I was just like. <laughs> Somehow, I thought that if I gave them the look, right? <laughs> if I gave them the look, they would stop doing that because they would hate getting the look so much that it would motivate them to practice, you know? Like, oh, help us, Lord. <laughs> uh, and I, I tell you, I did. I had to learn the hard way. Band members leaving and... I understand what's going on. I had to come face to face with myself and look in the mirror. Sometimes we don't like to look in the mirror, do we? Look in the mirror and go, man, there's something wrong with me. Yeah, it doesn't mean everybody else is perfect either, but 
I had to come face to face with the idea that I wasn't leading the way that God wanted me to lead, like together with people. Some people, and this is probably supposed to be part of the takeaway, but some people uh, think that leadership is something where you're the one that's supposed to do everything. You're supposed to have all the ideas, get all the credit. And if you don't, you feel insecure or you feel like, you know, I'm not doing what I'm supposed to do. Leadership is not about you having all the ideas. It's about you facilitating. It's about you bringing people together. It's about you getting ideas to come out of other people, right? It's not about you having all, all the ideas. That's why I love that we came together as a team to even figure out what sessions we should do for this, this, uh, this, this weekend. But this is about us doing this together, about relationship, right? Yeah, I just put in the book, if you're like me, in the slightest, your teammates may have felt used and abused in times rather than empowered and encouraged. Man, we need to sometimes take a step back and go, hey, this is more than just about getting the agenda done for the church. It's more than getting the agenda done for the ministry. This is about people, right? And people on your team are not, are not cogs in a machine. I said this in the little introductory comments about this, uh, this session, but sometimes as leaders, we also have the wrong idea that the goal is the congregation. I think I can't encounter this when I talk to a lot of youth pastors back in the day. I'm, I'm a 29-year volunteer youth staff member, so I love music, but I'm also very involved in the young people in our church and all that. Um, but what I found sometimes youth pastors think their number one job is to reach the youth. And it's great, but you can only get so far by yourself doing that. Their number one job should be develop a staff, a team, leaders that can help them now reach the next generation. And see, sometimes we think our number one focus is the congregation. But you can't impart anything to your congregation that you haven't imparted to your teams. Right? I mean, if we want more out of our congregation, we better start pouring into our teams because you can't skip over them. It's like I see this kind of like a multi-tiered waterfall. That's why I did three sections in the book. The first section is you dealing with you, looking in the mirror, going, am I the worshiper that I want the congregation to be? Or am I just showing up on Sunday morning to spend time with Jesus? That's that first tier. You can't impart to your team what you haven't developed in yourself, right? So you're leading yourself. That's the first step. And then as you do that, then you start imparting to your team. You don't skip over your team and go to the congregation. No, you impart to your team. And then as, it, as you get the, 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 the platform, the people, I, mean, I love what Molly was saying in the last session, just saying, you know, you, you got to make sure you're checking in with your team because they can't offer things that they haven't put inside themselves. So part of our, our number one role as a worship leader is actually to pour into our team. It's going to make you more effective. See, we get this thing in reverse. We think the most thing, we want to be effective, so we get, we get ahead of ourselves and we skip over our, our own self and we skip over the team and we go right to the congregation. Our job is to get butts in the seats, man. That's the job, you know, right? But that's, that's not the job. I mean, Maybe there's, there's some, we, we hope to see the fruit of that, but we're aiming for the fruit instead of for the root, right? We've got to start with ourselves, and then we've got to pour into our team, which will then help us to pour into the congregation, right? So it's together or not at all when it comes to our teams. <clears throat> I want to give you just a few things, cultivating a healthy worship team environment. I kind of made a list in, I have a lot of lists in this book, 
partly because I, I like to be organized, but partly because I wanted to give you a step-by-step. -step. Like Some of you guys can figure this out on your own. You just pray, uh, and, and the Lord will show you how to do stuff. But we talked about spontaneous worship and how to lead that. I literally go through it step-by-step. -step. This is how you do it. This is how you teach your team. This is how you teach your congregation, step-by-step. Now, you're going to take some of those steps, leave some. You're going to add some, whatever. But I give you advice and show you how to do this. We can't do all that in these sessions, right? Like all the how-tos, but there's so much how-to stuff in here. But I want to give you just a few thoughts on how to build healthy team culture. Number one, prioritize spiritual growth. If you're prioritizing music and excellence over spiritual growth, that is going to backfire. And you're not going to create the culture that you want to create. But sometimes in desperation mode, we're like, these guys can't even get the cords. We don't have time to grow them spiritually. <laughs> but I'm telling you, it's just similar to tithe, right? We don't have enough money to give tithe, says the person who doesn't understand. No, you don't have enough money not to give tithe, right? I mean, like the whole point is that you, when you tithe, it's you're showing faith. You're stepping into, you're investing and then that changes everything moving forward. Well, that's what you also need to do with your teams. You're like, well, we don't have time. We only have a 90-minute rehearsal or a 60-minute or a rehearsal. We don't have time to take 10 minutes. But you don't have time not to take 10 minutes. Like, like we've got to set the stage. And you should have a spiritual growth moment in every rehearsal. What I do with North Central, our students, is I actually assign somebody to, to bring. I like, we do a rotation. And like, because this also grows them spiritually, like if they have to plan something, right? So they bring just like a five minute little something, like that, something that God's been doing in their life. Hey, what has God been saying to you? I don't know. I haven't spent. Well, that's going to challenge them. If you give them an assignment, hey, I want you to come next week and I want you to share something. And then that encourages the whole team. It brings us together in unity. I mean, it's just so, so simple, but we have to plan this. We have to prioritize spiritual growth. I could go on and on and on about that, but I hope you get the idea there. You know, there's going to be other times when you have like, like set aside long times for spiritual growth moments, but I think every time you meet, it's not just a quick prayer. It's like, hey, let's open the word. Let's take 10 minutes and put on music in the sanctuary and let's just spread out and start worshiping God to some other song. Like when was the last time your worship team actually worshiped God together when people weren't watching them? Right? I mean, that is so important. You can't lead, you can't lead a congregation. Your team should never have to lead uh, in front of people when they haven't ever worshipped together when there were no people. So we've got to prioritize spiritual growth of the team. I mean, if you don't get any of these out, anything else out of the rest of these, just do that. And you'll be so much better because that'll set the stage for everything else. Right? Number two, communicate the vision and the plan. There's just, there's got to be little moments where you're communicating the vision. Of course, the vision comes from your pastor, right? So what is the vision of the church? The team needs to know that you support the vision of the church and that you're not creating some, some, some sort of subculture, right? Like, well, we're rebellious against the pastor and we got our own little thing going here. No, you might have a subversion of said vision, you know, that specifically applies to the music side of things, but it can't go against it has to be in conjunction with the vision uh, that the pastor has, right? And so we're, but we're perpetuating that. We're sharing it again and again. Like every single person on your team should know what the vision is. The question is, do you even know what the vision is, right? If you don't, you need to know what it is and then you need to communicate it. 
And then the same thing with the plan. Like, and we can spend hours on, like, we got to have a plan. Like, do you even have a plan? Do you just show up and rehearse and, and like, just wing it? You know, or do we actually have a plan? It's easy to say for the A-type personality, I know, but, but this, this is something that we've got to develop. And you can develop it. You just have to sit down and put the work to it. Because what's going what's gonna to do, it's going to make you much more efficient, right? And much more effective if you create a plan and then you communicate that vision, communicate that plan over and over and over. Wow, what did Molly say? She said, uh, gentle pressure, relentlessly applied. Oh, I love that, man. I'm going to take that for sure. That must be like the River Valley model or something. But that is so good. That's how you build culture. Gentle pressure, relentlessly applied. Like it's, you're just continually sharing the vision. Here it is. Here it is. Here it is. Right? You keep sharing. Keep, keep sharing the plan. Keep sharing the vision. Right? Number three, emphasize relationships. You know, I mean, this... I love the way that you describe my book, Todd, because you're like the three sections are <laughs> relationship with you and God, relationship with you and your congregation, or you and your team, relationship with you and the congregation. Right? Everything's about relationships. And there's nothing that's, I mean, relationships are, are the key to everything. Uh, we've got to grow in unity together. I mean, I, I'll say this. What is the language of your team? Right? What is the language of your team? I, I, I walk into some churches and the language of the worship team is sarcasm. That speaks of insecurity, right? Sarcasm comes from a place of insecurity, right? So it's fun to be silly sometimes, and it's fun. I mean, I don't want to take ourselves too seriously, right? But if that's the main language of how your team talks together, we need to shift that, right? This is about relationships, real people doing life together, hurting together, laughing together, having good times together, bad times together, all that stuff, but emphasizing the relational side of things. And there's so much that goes into that. But we've got, to, we've, got to, we've got to show that every person in our team has value, right? Yeah. You're, not just, you're not just leaning into the talented people. Right. And those are, those are hard things to, to, to do sometimes. Uh, but we've got to be there for the underdog. We've got to be there for the one that's least likely. You know, sometimes the least likely one will just shock you, man. I come to North Central and there's people that come in with all this talent, natural gifting, you know. And, and they, maybe they come in, uh, let's just say they come in at a 7 out of 10 you know, on the talent chart, and that's pretty high. I mean, like we're saying 10 is like top, top, like professional level, you know. And then somebody else comes in at like a four, you know, and they feel like they're nobody. But, man, they get to work over the course of four years, and that seven kind of just hangs out right there, and that four doubles it and gets up to eight, and you're like, oh, or maybe I should say it this way. The seven, let's say they go, they go to eight, and that four goes to seven. You know who I want to hire? <laughs> that that went to seven because they understand the growth, the work, the all the investing that has to happen. The other person just been riding on their talent and their gifting. But we've got to emphasize relationships. Be there for the, the underdog, right? These are, these are so important. These are, a lot of these are just reminders, right? Number four, celebrate character. Man, come on. In music, we've got to, we have so many issues, right? We've seen it all. I remember the day I think it's okay to say these things, but I mean, I remember the day that I woke up to the news of Michael English back in the day. I woke up to the news with Amy Grant and different things going on. And, and, and of course, we see, we've seen a lot of uh, popular musicians and artists walk away from their faith, you know, over the last five years or so, right? We can start naming the names, right? Walking away from their faith, having moral failures, all kinds of things going on, leaving uh, their families, you know, that... That's not, we're not here to bash on those people. We're just saying, hey, we are all subject 
to these things. And I have to look at myself in the mirror and say, I don't want to end up there. You know, how can we be proactive? Nobody sets out to leave their family. Nobody sets out to have an affair. Nobody sets out to fall away from God, right? So if we're, we're no different than anybody else. So we need to be proactive in the way that we think and we need to emphasize character in our, uh, in our teens. I've always said it this way, like, if you have to set everybody down and just have an anointed kazooist up on the platform with you, I mean, you know, let's just get crazy. Like, I mean, is it real? Well, we can't do that because we have to have. So I was like, well, our drummer is the only drummer we have. And, you know, he doesn't really kind of sleeping around, isn't doing. But we, we need a drummer. I'm like, do you? I mean, I don't know. Is that, is that like, you can't, is it impossible to have a band without a drummer? Can we not worship God? Like if we don't have a drummer, we can't worship God? No, we can put an anointed kazooist up there and we can have the presence of God. We can go up to God. We can do it acapella if we have to, you know what I'm saying? Or maybe we can get rid of the singers because maybe that's where the problem is. We can just get the band up there and just have an instrumental service. I don't know. <laughs> Whatever it is, like we've got to lean into character, right? I mean, we're doing our team such a disservice if we don't lean into character. We're actually creating the cycle. We're, we're creating that insecurity in them where they're leaning on who they are. It becomes about, about their talent, right? We can't, we can't do that in, in our worship teams. We can't find our identity, I'm a guitarist first, or I'm a singer first, right? Right. And that has to shift. That has to change. But we have to lead that in our teams. We've got to emphasize. And, and you know, there's, there are times when it comes to uh, a, uh, just a moment where you have to make a decision, right? Something happens. You have to decide, am I going to sit this person down? Am I going to talk with them? Now, see, this is where it gets, it gets tough because a lot of times Christians, we throw people out. And that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about walking with someone through restoration, Right. When they do something that need, where they need to be sat down. Right. But let's have that conversation and let's walk through it with them. If they reject it, that then that's on them. But we can't throw people out. We, but we do have to. to uh, the, the Bible calls us to be set apart. Right. To be holy. Right. How do we do those things? Three words. Right. By the spirit. Right. Right. You're like. Oh, I get so tired of people saying, well, you know, we're no different than the world. We're just forgiven. Like, no, that's not true, actually. <laughs> the Bible calls us to be holy, set apart. Right. We're transformed. We're healed. That doesn't mean we're perfect. But that, that, we're very different than the world is. It's not just the only difference is not that we're forgiven. <laughs> we're transformed. We are being transformed. In fact, I think I read somewhere, Galatians 2.20, it says, I am crucified with Christ. Mm -hmm. I no longer live. Mm -hmm. So we need to perpetuate that type of culture for our musicians, right? I mean, I hate to say it, but everyone's replaceable, right? Like, we don't need you. God doesn't need you. He doesn't need me. You know, if he could speak through a donkey, I'm on the same level, you know what I'm saying? So <laughs> he doesn't need me. He can talk through whatever he wants to. He doesn't need your guitarist. He doesn't need your drummer. And we all need to understand that. Now, he wants to use us. I said this in the... Last night, right? He wants to use us. And that's an incredible honor and privilege. But people walk in like they own the place. Yeah, look at me. As if they create their own talent. Really? Really? You can't even breathe by yourself, son. <laughs> I don't know. Oh, you think you are? You think that you just figured out how to do all that? Are you? Yeah, I mean, help us, Lord. Celebrate character, people. Pick your battles, right? You can't fight all the battles. 
You need to fight some. You need to stand up. You need to find out which ones. I, here's the thing. I was talking to my wife last night talking about this. It feels like so often we pick the wrong battle. We're like, and, and I love the way John Bevere talks about this. You guys know who John Bevere is, right? He, he says we should stop shouting what, what God is whispering and stop whispering what God is shouting. Like we're picking the wrong battles. We're like emphasizing the things that aren't even that important. They're, they might be a little bit important, but they're not that important. And we're, we're looking over, we're skimming over the things that are really important. Right? We got to pick our battles and go, okay, we don't have to deal with every situation, but we do need to deal with the situation that the Holy Spirit is leading us to. Right? Pick your battles. Make sure, you know, and there's, there's all kinds of scripture. I mean, I'll give you the best advice when it comes to conflict resolution. Proverbs 15.1. Anybody know that verse? There it is. A soft answer turns away wrath. Right? There's your best, and just for your marriage, that's number one uh, piece of advice right there too, right? Because how do we do arguments? Uh, 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 louder, louder, right? It's, it goes like that, right? The first person to go, you know what? I'm sorry. I love you. I know we disagree, but this thing is really getting out of hand. And I... I I don't want this to take away from us, right? Then you just, you defused, right? Pick your battles. James 1, 19 through 20, be slow to speak, quick to listen, slow to anger, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So sometimes we're shouting or emphasizing things that God is not emphasizing, God may be whispering it, but we're shouting it, right? We need, to, we need to whisper what he's whispering and shout what he's shouting. He's not shouting everything. Some things are more important than other things. And sometimes we, make, we flip it around. We make things that are not important to God, not as important, the most important, right? So shout what God is shouting. Whisper what God is whispering. Be an empowerer and an encourager. Just so you know, I made that word up. Uh, <laughs> it still has the red line underneath it. Uh, empowerer is not a word, but I really liked it. So uh, I put it in there anyways. <laughs> uh, but we need to empower people and we need to encourage people. I learned the encouragement thing the hard way as well. Uh, I, I was horrible at encouragement and I'm still growing in that. Uh, I, I, I told you, I give people the look. That was my encouragement, you know. <laughs> uh, but I'm growing in encouragement. You know, there's people that when they walk into the room, like, they just, they're always encouraging you. They're like, oh, I love that jacket. Oh, I love, oh, you're so good at this. And I just like, oh my God, they let me feel so good. Like, we're not trying to manipulate people. We just want to love people, you know. So become an encourager. Encourage some people around here, you know. It's something that needs to be done. We need to encourage. In fact, right now, I want to encourage you guys. You're going to make it. It's going to be all right. I know that some of you are going through some really hard times right now. And the Lord is telling you right now that you are going to be all right. And he's calling you back to that secret place again. You know, don't get too caught up. I mean, there's a lot of stuff on the list here. You know, you have to go back and take a look at like 14 pictures in your phone, 25, I don't know, from all the sessions, right? And, but, but just be in his presence. Right? Yeah, there's a lot of things you can learn. Glean a couple things that you can change and all that stuff, but don't be overwhelmed by all this. It's going to be all right. It's going to be all right, I promise. You're going to be all right. We're going to be all right, and we love you. <laughs> yes, you may.
Yes. Yes. But don't get hard on yourself when things go wrong. So good. By the Spirit, right? Like this is this is what we're missing. I mean, in our services too is by the Spirit, by the Spirit, by the Spirit. What is He saying? Where is He going? What does He want you to say to someone else? You know. I mean, I have my notes and I have my plan here, right? We talked about this in the last session, but there are certain things that happen. I wasn't actually planning on stopping for just a moment to give you an encouragement, but I felt like the Holy Spirit said, do that now. But we're adjusting, we're moving, we're listening to what the Spirit is saying. But we need to become encouragers um, and we need to become empowerers. You know, I, I, I think we're done with the days, Lord, help us of, of uh, name tag leadership. I have authority because I have a name tag. You know, I'm the boss. I'm the pastor. You know, that is like, like that's pride. That's just straight up pride. Like we don't lord over. The Bible tells us as leaders, we serve. We come under. That's our role is to come under. I'm not here telling you what to do. I'm here to serve you. I'm here to come here and say, what can I do to help you serve your people? What can I do? What can we do as a district to come alongside you? You know, if this book helps, awesome. If it doesn't, throw it away. I don't care. I just want to help you. I, want, I believe that God has put you in a place right now where he wants you to be. And he is going to use you. It might be to touch one person that's going to change the world. Sometimes it feels so small, doesn't it? Sometimes it feels like no one's listening. Sometimes it feels like you're not doing anything for the kingdom. But I'm telling you, you are. Make a few adjustments. Listen to the Spirit again. Get back in the presence of God. Get back into his, your time with Him. And then at, let Him encourage you so that you can encourage others. Right? right? The Bible tells us that we are comforted so that we might comfort. Right? Number seven, love rules. I think that one kind of speaks for itself. Um, Yeah, you could. You could. <laughs> Let's see here. So many things. All right, so I'm not going to even go on with that. I think I covered, that was kind of like the summary of all what I just said. Love, you know. Make the most of your team meetings. There's so many practical things I share in the book. I don't have time to get into all right now, but um, when it comes, you know, there's obviously things that we do need to do when it comes to musicality. Right? We need to grow musically. Uh, we need to grow together musically. Uh, whether you're you know, reading notes or whether you're reading charts or whether you're doing the Nashville number system, however it is, we need to grow together musically. Uh, we need to learn how to run more efficient sound checks. You know, understand that sound check is not a rehearsal. Sound check is a sound check. I mean, just little things like that. Your sound man will love you. Your sound tech will love you, right? Like the sound... In the sound uh, check is actually for the sound engineer and then to help him serve you or her serve you in getting your ears right or your monitors right or whatever it is, right? To streamline your rehearsals, right? So that we're not going 20, 30, 40 minutes over the time that we said, right? We want to be respectful of people, but we got to be organized in that so we can streamline our rehearsals. Now we want to we want to work on, uh, I, work, I, I go through like, you know, how I do rehearsals, I list it all out. Uh, I talk about what I rehearse, you know, because that's important too. If you just show up and you're like, okay, just run the song. No, there's like 25 things that we can go through. We can figure out what are the most important things. Who could tell me what the most 
unrehearsed element that is probably the most important element of our set is transitions, right? Transitions, right? Oh, man. I'll say this because we're in Minnesota, and I think you guys get this. It doesn't seem like many people do outside of Minnesota. I have to tell people, but you guys know what portaging is? Okay, so lots of yeses, but I did see some head shakes, right? So and I didn't know what this was. Portaging is basically, and hopefully I get this right, but uh, it's, you got, you're on camping, you got your canoe, and you, and you uh, put all your junk in your canoe, and you go uh, maybe with your family or with the guys, the girls, whatever, and you go, and because we have all these lakes, a lot of them are connected or closely connected nearby, right? So you get in your canoe, and you have all your stuff, and you go across that lake, and you get to the other side, and when you get to the other side, it might not connect directly to another lake, so we got to get up, we got to carry our canoe over, da, 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 with all the stuff in there, and we put it back down, and we keep on going. That's how a lot of people do church. <laughs> now, portaging is wonderful <laughs> uh, here in Minnesota with the lakes, but it's not good in church, because we got to be about the flow, the transitions, we got to have flow all the way through. We don't, we don't have, a lot of times people get to the end of the song, it's like, oh, I don't have any idea how we're going to get to the next song. We'll pick up our canoe and just walk over here. Just a minute while we're doing this real quick. Uh, hold on for a second, you know, and I'll put this down. Okay, we're back. And the whole time the congregation's like. Are they done yet? <laughs> Awkward key change moment. Oops, he started the wrong tempo. Oops, you know, there's all these things, right? I actually go through and talk about what I call the treacherous transitions. And I go through all these ideas of how to do transitions uh, in the book. One of the biggest things that we've got to fix is if we're doing a big song first and then we go to a song uh, that starts really down on the album, we think that we have to do it exactly the way the album's done. So we're like, crash out! You know, there's this pad that's waiting, and then like this awkward moment because the people are like, yeah, oh sorry, <laughs> sorry, I got a little too excited there. You know, number one, like make those crash outs go longer because people want to shout. You're gonna, you're gonna, it's like you're pulling the rug out of people. Like, stop, and they're like, yeah, oh man, oh man, like. Crash out longer because people are testing you. They want to know, are they serious? Like, oh, can we shout here or am I going to look dumb? You know, do you want a response from people? So, but crash that thing out. And then if you have a song that starts down, you have a couple of different choices. You could actually sing the chorus from the, the big song again, but sing it down, maybe out of tempo or whatever, if it works for that song. Or you could take those eight bars that are usually a really down intro and you could actually take from the end of that second song, bring that forward and start with a big section, full band for that second song and then drop into the verse just like normal. But that's just going to, I mean, those are just super practical things that are going to help us keep the flow and stop portaging in worship. Help us, Lord. So many things. Team nights. We gotta gather for team nights. I don't. You know, this is one of those uh, phrases that or names or whatever that became popular a few years ago or whatever. I don't know what you call it, but we need to have. If I was, if I was, I'm I'm part time at Celebration Church, but my main role is at North Central, so I don't really oversee. But if I was the full time worship pastor, I would probably have four quarterly gatherings uh, for team nights. Uh, we would have our our little get you know rehearsals and we have some spiritual growth in those moments but i would have probably four gatherings some of you might do six maybe you want to do once a month that's fine however it works for you 
But I would probably do something like February, spiritual growth, uh, where we're coming together to grow in that first love. I love Jesus. Yes, I do. And that's why I'm in this worship ministry, you know, like the like spiritual growth for your team. Maybe you have a whole night of worship just for your team. Maybe you teach them the seven Hebrew words for praise, which I'm going to teach in the next session. Um, uh, and you do some of that sp for spiritual growth. Uh, then in, in like May, uh, it's maybe it's musical training. You get together and you start working on the Nashville number system, which makes it so much easier to change keys and play in multiple keys. Uh, but or you you have a songwriting session together, or you uh, get into Ableton. You have breakouts. You bring in some specialists from around the area, and they do some breakouts with your vocalists and teach them how to sing and that type of thing, like the sing right and all that, and so they can sing for a lifetime, as uh, my friend Larry Bach always talks about. Uh, and then maybe in August, it's just like a cookout. It's fellowship. It's it's relationships, right? And then in November, maybe it's a leadership uh, seminar on what real leadership is. And we understand that leadership's not influence, but it's actually servanthood. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> so um, let's do this. Let's move into the next part of the session here. Uh, I'm going to have Heather come up, uh, and then we'll have uh, to present, and then we'll have a little bit of time for Q&A. Okay? Come on up, Heather. Give it up for Heather. Hey, so uh, as Jeff said, my name is Heather Bulgren, um, and I am the worship and missions director at my church, um, which is Good Hope in Cloquet, Minnesota. And um, uh, just to give you a little bit of a background on me so that you can see where I'm coming from in my worship leading, I sang in a small ensemble sort of choir in high school my senior year and then I sang in the same sort of small ensemble choir for two years in college and I took five years of guitar lessons as a young child that is the extent of my music training and so I did not go to North Central and get the worship degree I did not um, you know get any extensive classical training or any other sort of training. I have basically been feeling my way through all of the musical stuff in worship leading. God gifted me with a voice, but when I look back at those notes from like state competitions and stuff in high school, the notes from the judges were always the same. Your alto needs to sing out. Your alto needs to learn how to project. And, um, so I, I partied my way through college and um, got a biology major. <laughs> and then I got saved at the age of 28. And um, so pretty late in life compared to a lot of you, I'm sure. But I was baptized in the Holy Spirit shortly after that. And that solved the projection problem right Amen. there. All right, come on, everybody. <laughs> so that... You know, the book of Acts says that the baptism of the Holy Spirit, part of what it does is it gives you boldness, and that's exactly what that's it. it did that's for it. me. Let's go. So, um, 
I am smart enough to know that in any given room, even if I'm just in a room with a few high school students, I am probably not the most musically talented person in the room. I'm, that's just the way it is. And so I have needed to learn a whole lot of humility in my worship leading um, in order to just get the job done. And so um, I am a worshiper. That, you know, I because of my background before I was saved, I identify very closely <laughs> with that woman who washed Jesus' feet with her tears yeah. and dried them with her hair. Yes. I am so grateful yes. to my Savior. Amen. And that makes me a worshiper, but I actually yeah. held two worship leading positions, two worship leader positions in other churches before being at Good Hope, where all I was really doing on stage was I was worshiping in front of people. I didn't know how to be a worship leader. Sure. I am very grateful to Pastor Mike Stevens, who is the lead pastor at Good Hope, for transforming me into a worship leader. So uh, because now I feel like I am getting to the point where I'm actually leading the congregation in worship. I'm not just up there setting an example. This is how you worship. Hope you can follow. Yeah. I, I feel like I'm actually getting there getting, or getting somewhere anyway. So um, I'm definitely on a journey as a worship leader and learning as I go. Um, most of what I have learned, either Pastor Mike has <laughs> pulled me along or I've learned from totally screwing things up and then needing to be humble and apologizing to people and fixing things in the aftermath. But um, so a lot of this has been a rough road, but um, it has been so awesome to see God moving in my life and changing me, refining me, and developing me into a leader over time. So um, because of my lack of musical training, I need to depend on others to help me a lot. And I have this <laughs> amazing assistant, <laughs> Lindsay, who um, she is a fantastic keyboard player. And she has strengths where I have weaknesses and she points those things out that are total blind spots to me. And so depending on other people, I, you know, you don't have to do this alone. Yeah. There are other people on your team who know things that you don't know. And be humble enough to just say, hey, I don't know what to do here. And maybe somebody else has a great idea and you can fill in this gap for me. So um, she, she has a musical ear that is absolutely amazing. And she can tell if, you know what, this particular inversion of this chord would sound better here. And so um, let's, let's do that. Or, you know, maybe, maybe if the guitar player would capo and play up the neck instead of, you know, that's going to sound better for this particular song. And so she kind of serves as a musical director in um, as far as, I mean, maybe not what 
maybe not what everybody considers a musical director. I don't, you know, because right. I don't have that musical training, I, I'm, I don't know. I may think of a musical director as a completely different thing that a lot, than a lot of people think I of. Think, I think you're on the right track, to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's changed a little bit to be the guy in the microphone, but. Right. So, but, yeah, yeah <laughs> she does have one of those. We don't use it super often, but, but she does have one of those. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so anyway, I depend on her a lot, but I also ask the rest of my team for input and ideas from time to time. And um, Music 360 has this nifty section just for worship leaders. So it's, you know, you can go through the, bass course or the drums course or the keys course or whatever and you can go through a worship leader course mm -hmm. on music 360 and it helps you to learn that language that you need to learn in order to talk to your drummer so that you know what the thing is called <laughs> where you just the drummer right there right pat boone debbie boone right because <laughs> i didn't I don't have that language, you know, from my from musical training to know what to call all of that stuff and how to communicate with the different musicians on my team. So, so Music 360, amazing if you happen to be in my position and you need to learn all of that stuff. So, um, yeah, this position has definitely helped me to stay humble. Because I don't know what I'm doing most of the time. And I am depending on God and I am depending yes, on my team. And, um, and because I am that, you know, kind of person where <coughs> typically I have the opinion that if you want something done right, you do it yourself, you know, that this is definitely outside of my comfort zone. But um, doing things myself wouldn't be making worship the best that it can be for our congregation. And it also wouldn't be facilitating growth in my team. And so what is it that does facilitate growth for our teams? You need to invest in your team. You need to invest time. You need to invest mental and emotional energy, getting to know them, connecting on a personal level, and um, addressing concerns. is all, That's all really important. So some examples here. So first of all, I am an introvert, and I am a task-oriented person. So um, all of that connecting with people. I'm so much more comfortable up here in front of a bunch of people than I am one-on-one -on -one with one person. You know, that's very uncomfortable for me. And I have needed to seriously step out of my comfort zone in order to do any of that. Um, and it's, uh, so we just want to make sure for those of us who are introverts or are naturally task-oriented instead of people-oriented, that we are stepping out of our comfort zone because it's so important to connect with your team and um, to not just treat them like a project, 
yeah. like Jeff was talking about. So um, my assistant, Lindsay, has definitely been there nudging me along. And, <laughs> and, and actually, she, she kind of set an example for me. We have this debriefing time with our team. We have three services at Good Hope. And so our first service is Saturday evening at 630. And then we have on Sunday morning, we have a 9 o'clock and a 1045 service. And we have the same team for the entire weekend. And so our rehearsal comes before our 6.30 Saturday service. We spend two hours together. But then after our 10.45 service, we have a debriefing time where we kind of started this habit um, or this practice, I guess, out of necessity because we had issues that we needed to, to discuss with the with the team and we didn't want to leave them until the next time we did that song you know three weeks four weeks six weeks later we wanted to make sure that okay so our transition into the bridge in this song just seems to fall apart every time and so what do we need to do to make this work better and then um once we once we started getting better as musicians and working together as a team it sort of developed into a uh, go team. We did great. That was awesome worship. And then we just hang out together for a while. And, um, and there are times when like, I've got one son who's volunteering in children's church and another one who's volunteering on camera. And so we haven't sat together in a service yet. And so I need to get into the 1045 service and sit with my kids. And, um, and Lindsay's lingering with the team and hanging out with them and building relationship. And I'm looking at her and going, oh, that's what I should be doing. <laughs> and so, you know, she's, she's just naturally that way. For me, that doesn't come naturally. And so it's not my first thought. But, um, you know, with me in conversations, there's just a whole lot of awkward. And so... <laughs> It's not what I want to be doing. But um, also, Lindsay has been doing a fantastic job of investing in our youth. She is the um, leader of our, wor our youth worship. And um, the Music 360 has come into play also with, with that. And where we, we got, as a church, a big enough package where we can have our entire worship team plus our youth worship team and enough space for new people who will be coming on to our team to all work with Music 360. And so it, there are some people who are just running with it and they're going, they're working through those sessions quickly. And, and there are others who are, you know, working through it when they can because they're super busy and this is not number one priority but um we've we've got a lot of people signed on to it and and working on it and so um i'm i'm very encouraged by that it's it's fun to see there are there are people who are you know primarily an acoustic player but they're wanting to learn bass or they're wanting to learn keys or drums or whatever and so they're looking into other instruments as well so I love that you're able to do that with music 360 you don't have to 
just pick one instrument when you get a big package like that. Um, you, can, you can learn any of the different instruments that are offered there. So um, I got a little off track from my notes there. But um, so prayer time before our Saturday rehearsal, we, one of the ways that I invest in my team is we start our Saturday rehearsal with a, a prayer time. But we're not just praying for the rehearsal or the service that night. We're praying for each other as well. And so we're asking for prayer requests. And, you know, there, there are always personal things that come up like health issues or I lost my job and I need to find a new one, that kind of stuff. And so it's nice to be able to um, hear those things more, you know, faster than, oh, three months ago, they, they lost their job. Wait a minute, what? I didn't know that. We, we make sure that we're spending time with all of that stuff and that, um, you know, we're praying for people and, you know, shooting them a text partway through the week to see, you know, how's your back doing today? You know, or, um, How'd that doctor's appointment go? That's um, a, an easy way to just um, make sure that your team knows that you care about them. Uh, let's see. I covered that already. So I'm a person who absolutely hates difficult conversations and confrontation. And in the past, I have made a habit of um, avoiding them at all cost and but of course that when you're leading a team that does not um, that doesn't work it's yeah that just gets icky really fast when you're avoiding problems problems need to be addressed of course and um, if they're not then your team just becomes resentful of your leadership so um, what are our church staff, um, several years ago, we spent two years going through several different leadership books. And um, this particular leadership book, um, it's called Th Thanks for the Feedback. This one helped me more, I think, in the area of communication than any other book. It's called Thanks for the Feedback. It's by Douglas Stone and Sheila Heen. And the subtitle is called The Science and Art of Receiving Feedback Well, Even When It's Off Base, Unfair, Poorly de Delivered, and Frankly, You're Not in the Mood. <laughs> but so it's, it's a book about receiving feedback, but um, it definitely, definitely helps you also to learn how to give feedback. One of the things that it talks about early on in the book is the different types of feedback. There are three different kinds of feedback. The first one is appreciation. Second one is coaching. And the third one is evaluation. And if someone desperately, desperately needs appreciation and you give them coaching, they, they're, they're going to be crushed. 
And if somebody is seeking coaching, how can I get better? What should I do? And you say, you're awesome. Mm -hmm. you, then they're going, I don't, I don't know what that means, mm -hmm. you know? So, so being clear about if this is, you know, one type or the other of feedback really helps to clear things up. So, um, so I highly recommend that if you um, have trouble with communications. It, it is on Audible, but um, I, there's a lot of highlighting in here for me, and it's a book that you're probably going to want to go back to, I think. Douglas Stone and Sheila Heen. And they're actually, the, so we read the secular version without knowing that there was a Christian version out there. But Sheila Heen, um, she actually made this like into a small group study. And so, um, and then I actually brought this to my worship team and we, a group of us went through this together as a team. And which I think was also very beneficial. So, so I had talked about handling problems um, on a, you know, quicker basis than I normally would like to do. And our team had a significant problem with people showing up late. And I had no clue how to solve this because, you know, I would talk to those people individually and I would talk to the group as a whole and nothing was changing. And so we had an annual team training and I brought this team, this, this problem to the team. And I said, we obviously have this problem and, um, I don't know what else I can do about this. So what would you like me to do about it? And um, the team as a group came up with um, the policy for what we were going to do about people being late. And because there were a lot of people, there's, you know, usually that really uh, prepared and on time group. And then there's the um, flighty, you know, oh, I'll get there when I get there kind of group, which um, in my past life, that's who I was all the time. I was, oh, this is just who I am. And so I understand that group. Um, thank God <laughs> I have learned how that looks to, to the prepared and on time group because that prepared and on time group feels very disrespected by the group that's coming in late and not caring that they're late. Or, or if they're consistently late, even if they're apologizing every single time they're late and giving a excuse, excuse you know, a, even if it seems valid excuse, um, there are, you know, plenty of things that can be prepared for in advance. But so the team came up with this three strike policy and um, and so now the on time people are feeling like the problem is being addressed mm -hmm. and they're feeling good about it. And um, we've we have had to now suspend one person because of 
chronically being late, but um, that's going to be reassuring to those um, people who were feeling before like things weren't getting done. So um, with Music 360, our plan here is to keep this great big package that includes everybody for at least a year and we'll reassess after that. And, but we are going to keep at least a small package, even if the majority of our people work through everything they want to work through in this, um, in this first year, because it's, it's an amazing tool for all of those new people who come on or for people who want to learn a new instrument and maybe didn't get a chance to do that in the first year. And for those youth who are coming onto the youth team, um, it's, it is a fantastic, fantastic program. And so, and there's, there's even, I haven't looked into this so much, but there's even a way to audition people through Music 360. And so um, I think that's pretty cool too. But um, I am going to um, skip to the end here because I am obviously going long here. But um, I hope that you were able to glean a few crumbs from what I shared today. But before I hand this back over to Jeff, I do want to say that this is a fantastic book absolutely fantastic book so if you are in that category and you can get one for free don't leave here without your free book because you want this book and if you aren't in that category where you can receive a free book you want to buy this book you really do because there is i i started reading through i mean there there's hardly a page that doesn't have some yellow on it because there it's that good it's um, packed with great information that every worship leader needs to know. Right. Thank you, so. Heather.